Hi, I'm Rui Branco. Welcome to Talking Usework, a podcast brought to you by the Future Labs Project. Talking Usework is a series of 15 podcast interviews to usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends, or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can use workers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work. Hello everyone, welcome back to our last episode of Talking Youth Work podcast, first season. And uh, today it's just me and uh, Rui Branco, my partner in crime. Hi Rui. Yeah, hello Anita. <laughs> We are um, recording this last episode to share with you our plans for the future and to review a little bit the journey so far and share with our listeners um, how it has been for us and also to remind them of the nice topics we um, had here present and the nice guests we had. It was really an incredible journey, no? Yeah, like a, a wrap up of uh, the first season and uh, a little bit of what we plan to do for the the next season. I think that's the, the main thing. And one thing that I felt when we uh, decided to do this episode is that we didn't talk much with our listeners. Uh, we presented them the, the interviews and I think that uh, that's one thing that I felt was lacking, uh, this yeah. kind of feedback also. Yeah, to have more interaction. Yeah, that's it. I think it's very interesting and very important to have to have this kind of interaction. And I do think it happened on a certain level because um, on the personal level, uh, traveling through Europe, I I had a lot of people coming to me and saying, hey, I listen to the podcast. It's really nice. Uh, why don't you interview this or that person? Um, I really like that episode. So the feedback was happening, but in an informal way yeah. and not in a kind of more systematic way. Um through the platform itself. In the KA2 conference, there were some people mm -hmm. that, I know your voice, people that <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met. <laughs> but they know your voice. They don't know you, but yeah. they know your voice. <laughs> I was listening. I know your voice. You're from the Talking Usework podcast. Yeah. yeah. But um, I think you had a good idea to kind of improve that for the next season, to improve that communication. And you created an email for our podcast. Yeah. Big upgrade. So the, I will uh, share the email is talkingjuiceworkpodcast at gmail.com. And there you can suggest guests, uh, get in touch with us, uh, what you like in the episodes, what you would like to see uh, doing diff done differently. And yeah, like a, a, a an open channel of communication with all, with us, between us and you. Yep, yep, and we will be really willing and happy to receive that feedback and to hear from you and also to get to know you and yeah. to know who's our crowd. We yeah. are at this point with 1,966 downloads, uh, so it's nearly 2,000 downloads of our episodes. That's a big joy for us. You know, we've reached uh, a lot of people. We have a lot of listeners in Australia, yeah. right? 
one of the countries that listens more to our podcast and that's a, a result we didn't expect in the beginning as we are in Europe and we expected that our audience would be mostly uh, from here but it was a really good surprise to know that you guys down under are listening to us as well go Aussies <laughs> <laughs> So do let us know if there are interesting guests from Australia, because this is a territory we don't know. Uh, we have very little knowledge about what kind of youth work is done there, how is it done, how are you guys innovating there, um, and, and it can be so inspiring. So please, 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 you have an email now, <laughs> reach us and tell us what would be amazing people that we could interview um from from there and also get inspiration to, uh, for our work here in Europe and of course this applies for any other continents <laughs> although I know we don't have so much listeners there but I would love to hear more about Africa uh, how how youth work is done in different countries there in Asia in America so please get in touch with us and inspire us this would be really interesting yeah 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 definitely so uh, how do you want to start uh, <laughs> uh, like discussing what 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 was most remarkable for you in this um, 16 episodes that in the beginning we decided it would would be f 15 but uh, we did 16 and uh, for me it was a big learning experience uh, do you want to start Go ahead, you started already, go. Yeah, so um, for me, it was very interesting to uh, get to know better the, the youth work environment mm -hmm. because as it was one of the, 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 the topics, it's that I wasn't from youth work. It was the outside perspective. That's what the, the thing right. that I brought to the podcast, right? And it was very interesting for me to uh, to to get to know a lot of projects that uh, uh, most people uh, in Europe could learn about, should learn about. That there's a a, a lot of things going going on that would help uh, society in, in a broader sense. And uh, people don't know about the projects. Uh, and you know, this is something that I, I find curious, and I am curious about actually, about your perspective, because I think your perspective in this podcast is very relevant. Um, sometimes going into the field, a professional field, which is very specific, like youth work, mm -hmm. you know, it's like watching somebody else's vacation pictures, you know, yes. <laughs> you see one or two and then you get bored. You're like, okay, fine. You know, you had fun. Great. <laughs> um, but how, how was it for you? You know, you're a father of two. You're, uh, you're a podcaster. You don't work in youth work. And yet you were here uh, having these conversations with uh, policymakers, uh, youth workers on the field, researchers. Um, how, how does that influences you as a citizen, as a person, as a father? Uh, in in one of the the things is it's it's very hopeful for me to see that a lot of things are being done. That uh, uh, my With young daughter, people, you mean? Yeah, we, a lot of things are being done in this area okay. that will help mm -hmm. my growing daughters. Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm afraid is the the projects are going on, but. I feel that the the youth work field is it's still like um, a secret society. <laughs> That's interesting. Why do you say that? 
Because you feel that it's not that open. It's not that they don't want, but people are, are they know each other very well. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I feel that they don't know how to talk to the outside of youth work. Right, to communicate. Yeah, they, they, yeah. Commu they, they, they work in a bubble. Yeah. And uh, youth workers talk with youth workers. They talk to youngsters. But it stays in a closed environment. It's a, a, an ecosystem that works, but I think it has uh, a lot of potential to grow outside the bubble. Yeah. And the bubble the bubble is I'm I'm maybe I'm being I don't know unfair saying this but the bubble is comfortable for youth workers. Mm -hmm. No, I see, I understand you. I see where you're coming from because it is true that we have many times difficulties in communicating our work to society. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to explain to funders what is the added value of our work and how we are actually changing society and shaping the future. And for people like youth workers who do, who do such an incredibly important work in society, it is, um, it is strange that over the years we still haven't found a way that we are known and our work is valued in every country. So in many countries, we don't even have youth work to start with. So it's not even recognized. You know, the, the most you have is maybe scouts, which is great, but it's, of course, just one organization and it doesn't represent all the areas that youth work um, w intervenes in. So we do have a problem with communication, I think, of, of, of showing. And in a way, you're right that, at least in Europe, I feel that the bubble is a bit a bit comfortable. I don't know, maybe sometimes, uh, maybe sometimes we see ourselves as underdogs in society, you know, the... Mm -hmm. The, the ones that are under the radars and doing our work. And this is a bit maybe our, our culture also, uh, professional culture. I don't know. And, and, and there's a, I, I don't remember who said the sentence, but risk being seen. It's a risk to be seen. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and I think that uh, that's, uh, we, in news work, it's one of the main uh, purposes mm -hmm. is to help uh, youngsters uh, find their place in society but how can we do that if we don't risk being seen and being criticized because it's comfortable if you don't show yourself too much mm -hmm. the the probability of being criticized is less so there's a a, a difficult balance between uh, showing too much and not being seen. Right. Yeah. And I think to that it adds up that, I mean, it, it's not just that we are afraid of being seen, but of course the sector is underfunded in many ways. And so it's hard to focus on doing the work and uh, disseminating the results of our work and, and explaining our role. Uh, I think the um, youth worker community in general is very um, uh, disempowered. Mm -hmm. and and doesn't feel that they do have maybe a voice. I don't know. This is the feeling I get from traveling over Europe and, and training youth workers, is that I don't have this big feeling that people, um, that they see themselves as, I, I'm, my job is important in society and society values me. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, the second part, this is problematic. It's more like my job is is really important in society, but I'm like Batman, you know. Um, people don't know really that how much I work to fight crime. Uh, I'm a superhero, but uh, I'm I'm also the underdog. I'm also the 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 one that kind of works in 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 secret, and and society doesn't value my work. So it's very hard if you come from a place of such uh, uh, lack of power, mm-hmm. lack of voice in society, to to make yourself more visible and and to show that actually what you're doing changes things. It matters. It influences. Um, but the so thing I, is, I think don't wait. A lot of them are fighting with this. Don't wait for people to give you the mic. Grab the mic. That's true. That's true. I think that's a good uh, empowering sentence to tell to to the, our sector in general, right? Grab the no, mic. But, but I I know the importance of your work more now that I that I used to know. But I still uh, I think it was with John Orr that we talked about. Use work is still sometimes regarded as some something to take the kids out of the streets, and use work is much much more. It has evolved. Uh, we don't. If 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 society still regards this use work as something to take the kids out of the streets, to give them something just something to do, right. you don't have as much power. But if you start to communicate that there's a a, a bigger objective and a stronger objective with all the, all the amazing things that I found out, that society will regard use workers in a different way. Yeah. But sometimes it it has to come from us to show ourselves in a different way, to be seen a different way. That's true. And I'm, I'm very happy that, that through the interviews, you as somebody who is from outside of the field now is just saying that, what you just said, that youth work is much more than occupying the free time of young people or taking them off the streets like like it was so so much so many times repeated on the 90s. That that it it is so much more than that, and I'm really happy that that you get this broader vision and deeper vision mm-hmm. of what youth work is. Yeah, so, so I th- I think that takes us to a next level, which is from the episodes and from the people we talked to. Uh, to what were the ones that impacted you the most? The, uh, when I was thinking about it, because we discussed that uh, would be interesting, uh, I was thinking that uh, they all were impactful in some way but the criteria that i use was when explaining this podcast to friends or people that i met mm-hmm. um, the ones that stood out as things that i wouldn't think about in regarding use work or uh, uh, new methodologies it was the ones that i kept repeating to people oh there's this the person doing this ones. yeah 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 so uh I, I was I one of the things was Gary Kiss with mm-hmm. improv mm-hmm. because I like improv but and I could see immediately the importance of having improv in working with young people because especially in a world that changes so much and it's easy to go to the uh, no you don't understand or yes but mm-hmm. To come from a place of yes and. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very powerful. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the, the improv theater techniques and the principles behind it, yes. above all, the principles behind it really change a perspective 
of how you see communication, how you see teamwork, how you see relationships, uh, how you see power within relationships. And it shifts that. It's a game changer. It, it totally changes because you go from a point of view of I should show my reasons, I should be valued, I should be, again, seen, and I have to fight for that. I'm the one who has to do that job. Mm-hmm. To I have to make my partner shine. I have to give him the mic. I have to uh, show his point of view and follow that. And if I do that and he does that, we will both shine. And so it changes the way we see ourselves in relationships drastically. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. You're right. Yeah, and one thing that it helps a lot is that it takes you out of unpowered or powerless mm-hmm. and gives you power to help. Because yes, and exactly. I'm I'm contributing to the view, yeah. And it's not my problem; it's a problem. Exactly. And your power is not to uh, use on yourself, but you use your power on others. And your power is to give them the voice. So I think it's, and, it was really interesting. It creates it creates also a space between you and the issue. Exactly. It's not me. Yeah. It's the issue. Yeah. Uh, the the next two, they're almost like. The, in a group mm-hmm. because I, I also re- reference a lot of Gabby Steinpritz. I mm-hmm. don't know if the name is Gabby Steinpritz, yeah. Steinpritz mm-hmm. within educational escape rooms. Yeah. Because that's one thing that I really believe is in the like the mixing of entertainment, not entertainment, but play mm-hmm. and learning. And I think it's a very powerful way to mix the two and give them an, another level to both to to play and also mm-hmm. to learn yeah educational escape rooms and patricia palagas with larp the live action role playing games where you get immersed in an issue where uh, like another version of you comes out sometimes a truer version of who you are and that way you can deal what is underneath the surface yeah. because sometimes we hide between uh, behind the mask but in this case you wear the mask to show your real self exactly and and and, and this is very amazing. and yeah it is and and it's you know they show really what is the value of non-formal education when it comes to making learning interesting and making learning innovative because in both cases, both in LARP, and if, by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, there's an episode fully about this and about escape rooms, so go there and listen to it. But both LARP and, and educational escape rooms are new strategies to allow young people to discover information, to change their attitudes, to develop skills in a creative way, in a fully innovative way, out of the classroom and out of the circle, I might say as well, because in non-formal education, we use a lot of circles, but it's another way to do it. Um, and, And it's so interesting how it activates other areas of your brain, other areas of your being, you're moving, you're using fantasy and imagination, your, your natural curiosity. So it it is based on what we do naturally, which is play, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, um, uh, wanting to discover more, being curious. So I think these two methodologies that we had here so well explained by our guests really uh, underline this the power of non-formal education. And, and uh, this also 
connected me with another episode. It was Dani Corai about vulnerability. Yeah. And especially with LARP, you understand that when you get to play a character, you have to be vulnerable to feel the pain that the character might feel or being vulnerable to show some weakness or understanding the vulnerability when you're playing a, uh, a role of power. You understand also the vulnerability of the other when you show power. Hmm. Because the other, when you show power, people react in different ways. And sometimes people are vulnerable when they're, where they're facing power. Yeah. And vulnerability was a very good episode to, because youth workers have, like we talked in the episode, to allow themselves to be vulnerable. Yeah. But uh, like you said, with youth workers sometimes are being stretched between a lot of things mm. and being vulnerable can be seen as a weakness. But as we saw in the episode, it can give you a lot of power to connect exactly. even with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. Vulnerability is, is really about growing trust, I think, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's establishing connection, human connection, through our mistakes, our fears, um, our wrongdoings. Our and imperfections. Exactly, <laughs> right? It's about our imperfections. And humans connect on, on this level of um, being imperfect. And we, when we recognize this on others, it's easier to connect and it's easier to open up and to trust. And I think for young people to have adults who are an example, a model on how to be vulnerable, how you can show yourself your true colors um, and, and be accepted, this, this is so important nowadays. I, I think it's really, really relevant. Yeah. And... Uh, I have two more mm -hmm. of the that I re recalled a lot or talked a lot with other people. It was Remembrance with Joachim Arnoy. Uh -huh. Because I, I'm also a person that believes that the past should empower us and teach us, but not haunt us. Right. And sometimes when you don't talk about it, it's like a ghost that haunts you. And when doing remembrance, when you go to the past to understand what happened in the past and you talk openly about it, of the things that didn't go well in the past, you can lay the foundations to a better future. And sometimes it's easier to put the things under the rug, the, those ugly things that we as a human race can do and because it's under the rug people start to forget yeah. that we can be that as well yeah 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 i, I think and, i never so you know before yeah. knowing joachim and his job i was very unaware of how much can you do with history how much mm -hmm. can you use um history uh, or local history like like he does on the museum he works local history and how a war museum can become such a place for awareness, for growing mm -hmm. awareness, for um, critical thinking. Um, and in the end, it's empower young people to participate in society. It's, it's a tool for youth participation. And I find it um, super interesting, super interesting. Yeah, and you, you, you touched something that sometimes when young people 
they don't want to look at history because it's not about them mm -hmm. and it's also about them and, and it should be about it's, it's about they should understand them, right? yeah yeah they should understand and they should connect with the persons that had to go through something mm -hmm. and they can if you explain they can find the connection points between them and the person the person that yeah. did that in the past yeah yeah and last but not least alan anthony mm -hmm. about trends because it's something that i'm also very curious it's it's now i just realized i went from the past to the future mm -hmm. from remembrance <laughs> to trends true <laughs> yeah um, jump yeah because the 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 way Alan Anthony explained trends are directions that the 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 clues are already here. You right. just have to pay attention. Right. It's not like we'll we're going to predict the future. We just look around us mm -hmm. and look for possible directions. It's not like magic but it has some kind of magic <laughs> if you look closely enough. It has a logic as well. Yeah. I think Ellen Anthony is one of the episodes we have that was mostly listened to. Yeah. Uh, it has a lot of downloads. Um, and, and there's a reason for that because uh, we are all curious of where to go. And I think in youth work and as a youth worker myself, I mean, where is this going? What will be my role in five years? Uh, will there still be a job? As, as youth work with, with uh, artificial intelligence coming. Yes, um, you will be replaced <laughs> by AI. Yeah, but, that, but that, is a, that is a legitimate fear, right? I think um, in so many fields, not only on youth work, but there is this uh, anxiety about the future. And also because we see how rapidly things are changing for our young people, their behaviors, their preferences, their concerns, their interests, it's changing radically so fast it is not easy to think, how am I going to keep up? How yeah. am I going to work in two years when, when I don't know what youngsters will be interested in then, but I am asked to plan two, two, two years from now to have a strategy. So Ellen really brought us some, some good insights on what are the trends that we see now in young people, how mm -hmm. she, she researches them. And I found very interesting what she said when, when she was saying, well, Youth workers can also be researchers on trends. They are the ones close to young people, but they have to listen. They have to ask. Yeah. They have to be curious and to kind of extract um, a little bit what's going on, which which, which ways are, are now being followed by these generations. And, um, yeah, it was truly inspiring. And I hope, just to say, that I hope that on our last, next season we will have one more uh, person which is very knowledgeable about trends in young people and innovation in youth work um, to come and talk, tell us more about this. Yeah, and I just realized that uh, uh, when you were talking that I will finish the way I started. Yes, I don't know what the future will be if in two years and I can do something about it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and. <laughs> yes, and. It doesn't have to be yes, but, oh my God, it's yes, and. There's, yes, there's, I don't there's know, but... Yes, yeah. Right. So in, in your side? From from my side, well, obviously yes. I, I have uh, listed up uh, the other guests we, we had. We wanted to mention all of them. And um, 
You know, I, I, I work as a, a youth worker, uh, a youth worker, a youth work trainee, trainer. Um, I used to teach in university uh, to youth workers, to future youth workers and community workers. And I'm, I'm very interested on the theoretical parts, on the models that help us think our practices, on the guidelines, the principles that underlay not only what we do, but the changes we're living. So what principles are guiding us through change? And I think we had really cool guests coming to help us think these things through. And on the more theoretical approach, let's say, or political approach, um, I'm, I'm thinking of, for, for me, it was really interesting to have John Ord, one of our last mm -hmm. guests, uh, John Ord is quite critical about innovation. And for me, that was really exciting because I'm, you know me, I'm <laughs> I'm all in for innovation. Bring <laughs> yeah. me novelty, bring me the next hip, bring me the next thing that will change the one we're learning now, you know? <laughs> what's going to destroy the new thing that I just learned? What What's going to be the next, next thing? And John Ord is, is somebody who has a point when saying, well, when always looking for novelty, we might be throwing the baby with the bathwater. The bathwater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. An expression he used. And I think he's right. And in a way, we have to be careful about uh, trying all the time to be on this cycle of discovering new things, discovering new things, but having no power to mainstream them. And what's the point then? Innovation is only useful if it truly changes systems from within, if it creates new practices, and if everybody has access, if they disseminate, if they mainstream. If we don't manage to do that, then we're just reinventing the wheel constantly and going nowhere, and, and we're running much faster than we have to and getting no results. And I, one of the examples of this in Europe, which is very clear, is... Erasmus Plus, which is funding this podcast. Thank you, Erasmus, by the way. <laughs> but, it, it, I mean, it's very clear that if this podcast has success and if we want to mainstream it or if other people want to mainstream it and do exactly the same and start using this in their countries, etc., it's hard to get funding because the criteria is it's what it was done already. But we did only 15 episodes. We know we want to get to 100 episodes, 200 episodes. And this happens to every project. If you want to do, uh, if you do a training that is really valuable and your organization organizes, uh, I don't know, an improv training. I actually just did one uh, in Portugal, a training based on improv and clowning for youth workers to learn how to deal with mistakes. And it was really successful. But if I want to do it again, I can't. It's not innovative anymore. I can't. I can't even apply in my own country to do it again because it was done already. So on this, John Ord is very right. We have to uh, be careful when we innovate, when we, we find out a new way that improves our practices, then who's disseminating it? Who's And where is the, the resources for that to reach more people? We can't just be on the wheel forever reinventing everything and having tiny impacts on 20 people, 30 people, 20 youngsters. We have to reach the crowds. Otherwise, like you said, we'll never have visibility. Yeah, and innovation for me has to bring value. If you, if you don't grow the value, exactly. yeah. what's the point? Yeah, there's no impact. And, and having said that, I, I think at the same time, we have to bring innovation into the conversation more when it comes to youth work. Because John Ord said something that I think is reflects what a lot of people think 
I personally disagree with, um, which is, he said, well, innovation is something that comes from mostly from business. And I disagree with that. I mean, innovation comes as much from business as it comes from medicine, as it comes from the environment. We're coming up with new solutions every day, thank God. It comes as much from the arts. Innovation is part of the core of what every artist does since ever. So it's not something from business, from my perspective. However, he's right on one thing, which is businesses learn the language of innovation recently and they use it much more. And in that sense, innovation, the term innovation, talking about it, yes, it's something that we now hear more from the corporate world, but I, I don't think the concept itself is a corporative concept, uh, and I think we should embrace it more in, in youth. Work. I think I think business tries to use it as a, a change of perception. Yeah, as a selling point as well, of course. Yeah, perception to to get to the selling point. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, this conversation was very very interesting. It challenged a lot of, of preconceptions, and I think I think it was truly amazing to have this conversation with with a, a university teacher who who has a deep knowledge about um, youth work, especially in the UK, but also in Europe. And then, I mean, we had other uh, other uh, guests like this. The last episode, we had Thomas Gold. He was talking about how we can develop methods that actually measure, that can be scientific and rigorous on measuring, in this case, um, entrepreneurial mindset changes in young people. And again, this has to do with uh, validating what we do in youth work. For validation, we need a rigorous measurement of what we do. And uh, I think his research is groundbreaking on this because he's measuring mindsets, mindset change. And for non-formal education, this is incredible. I, I think it's, it's so much valuable. And then with that, uh, Andreas Carson, which is also a researcher, Uh, researching policies is a lot of fun. He's, I think it's the episode we laughed the most, right? Yes. And um, The old lady. The old lady, exactly. And <laughs> with him, we talked a lot. And with him and with Claudius Siebel, I also wanted to mention, Claudius uh, is a policy coordinator um, in, for youth work in Germany. And both of them were mentioning the obstacles that youth workers face to innovate. And we're raising questions like, how, I mean, how do we assess what is innovation? Uh, what space do I have in my work to actually innovate? Um, how, how is the connection between research, policy, and the grassroots level and the field, the practitioners? How does three Uh, bubbles, let's say, interact? What are the spaces that we have to get in contact, to get practitioners in contact with researchers, researchers in contact with policymakers and policymakers with um, practitioners? So for me, these, these were so uh, valuable conversations to have. Uh, I, uh, regarding Claudius, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but on a personal level, I really enjoyed meeting Claudius because there's a, a serene wisdom that you feel around. Right. Them. It's true. And it, yeah, it's, it was amazing. I enjoyed the interview, of course, but um, the person that Claudius is was, was uh, very, very inspiring. Very, yeah. very inspiring for me. Yeah. By the way, he was in, in Lisbon enjoying our uh, Lisbon parties just last week. 
So <laughs> he brought his wisdom here. Um, then I had four more people here to mention. Uh, three of them uh, also focused on practices. They're three practitioners, people on the field. I think it's invaluable uh, the fact that we had here so many practitioners, the ones you mentioned uh, as well. The fact that we are listening to youth workers who are doing the job face to face with young people, I, I think this podcast gave them a bit more of voice, and I'm, I'm very proud that we managed to do that. And these three, we had Sergio Gonçalves, which is a good friend, uh, talking about gamification, mm -hmm. how to use board games, how to create them, how to develop this game thinking, uh, and add that to our activities. I thought that was really interesting conversation. I'm very passionate about games as well, so I was very excited with this. Uh, we had Tomasz Pecek um, talking about coaching and how coaching can be a tool on a one-to-one, -one, also with a group level, but even more on a one-to-one -to, -one to help young people reach their goals, mm -hmm. find their dreams, and how much it's based on believing in them, actually, believing that they have the resources. Um, and hearing them. Exactly, and listening actively to what they have to say. Um, I think very, very inspiring. Um, by the way, I think people might not know this, but that episode was done in a room. <laughs> we were lying in a bed, <laughs> the three of us, uh, recording recording the podcast. I, I think we had some nice uh, studios, improvised studios for our podcast. Yes, a lot of them. And I think this yeah. one was probably one of the most creative ones. <laughs> bad yeah. talk. It was literally bad <laughs> talk. Um, and, and, and last but not least, uh, game-based learning with Stefan Skuzel. Uh, from Germany, and he was, wow, he, he, he uses games, um, computer games, to increase political awareness, to develop skills. I mean, the, the amount of things uh, that are already systematized around this, this, this area of using online games and computer games, digital games, with young people, and to do education through that, I think it's amazing um, and truly innovative. And a lot of us are still missing that skills because not all youth workers are in that culture, in the gaming culture, but a lot of the young people are. Yeah, and it was one thing that I remember from that, this, that episode is uh, uh, meeting youngsters where they are. If they're playing video games, let's learn about video games and see how can we use video games to get to deeper questions that they're fighting, but they sometimes aren't aware yeah, of. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And linked with that, uh, one of our first guests, Nerius Kriatunis, who is an expert in Europe on around digital youth work, using digital tools for non-formal education. And um, we, I mean, in the beginning, I didn't want our podcast to be about technology because generally there's a lot of projects that when they talk about innovation, they're actually talking about innovation through technology. And, and I think innovation is much broader than that. Um, but it was very important to have Nerius uh, telling us about what digital opportunities are there now, these new virtual platforms that provide us new spaces for dialogue, for connection with the young people, for disseminating information. Um, with with the, the web being at full speed, we can access so many things. So how we do that becomes really, really important, how we focus attention, what do we give attention to and how we use it. So 
for me, it was also very, very important to have to have that. Uh, in a Two very good examples that it can be this and that, not this or that. Sometimes people get get uh, like you said they on opposite sides. It's oh, fight digital. They're ruining. It's ruining our lives. No, it's the best thing that ever happened to the human race. It can be. It can be both. Yeah, we polarize too easily, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. can. Be both. It's easy. Well, very good. Um, I think we've covered our journey. Yes. And by the way, I want to say that it was really incredible working with you again. <laughs> yes. And really yes. fun. <laughs> and really fun to to have these conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a lot of fun, even with our guests. I think that the 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 main tone of the conversations was fun. Yeah, fun, relaxed, informal. As use works should be. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that's the let's let's get it here. Let's get it here. That was the best last <laughs> sentence ever. <laughs> well, just maybe no, but looking forward to the next exactly. season also. Yeah, and and I, we just wanted to inform you that um, um, we're gonna have a break, a summer break. We need vacations, and probably you guys also need vacations. So we will be back uh, somewhere in late September, um, and we're gonna be enjoying summer. And during that time, we are also looking for uh, actually ways to keep funding our project. And we wanted to share that that new journey of us with all of you. Uh, this project has been funded by the Erasmus Plus project uh, under a key action too, who for our Australian and other non-European friends is uh, uh, um, a funding line uh, from the European Union, and um, it 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 will be over now in August. So from August on, we will need to find other ways of funding. Uh, we thought of uh, starting a Patreon or another way to have our listeners help us with that, but um, we don't really see that that is will be a sustainable option. So we are really looking for partnering up with institutions or other projects who want to uh, have this. Um, find it valuable to have a podcast about youth work, about youth work quality, about innovation, about uh, mainstreaming the new things that are being done, the incredible projects and initiatives that youth workers are putting forward and giving them that this voice that so many times they miss. So if you have any ideas or if you are right now running an institution which has a bit of funding and wants to partner up with us, uh, we are very open to uh, listen to you to and and to to serve your projects as well. So talk to us. We have an email. It will be on the text, and we will be back in September. Yeah, and uh, if you have any ideas where those fundings, maybe you don't have the fundings, but you know where we can find them, just send us an, an email to talkinguseworkpodcast at gmail .com with all those ideas, and we'll go after it. And uh, I want to make one last thank you note, if I can, of course. to our listeners. Um, it's been a really incredible journey, sometimes a bit like a roller coaster, but really worth it. And we want to uh, thank you, all of you, for having interest in youth work, having interest on each other's works, and having interest in listening to these two Portuguese uh, crazy people <laughs> <laughs> trying to hold these dialogues. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Really enjoyed it so far and looking forward for the next episodes. Yes. Have a nice summer, guys. Bye. 
This podcast is funded by the Erasmus Plus Youthwatch program powered by Tim Mice and the editorial board of UMAC University of Applied Sciences. Kari Kero, Jarmo Roxa and Christiana Vesama with the support of all the Future Labs partners.